Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico. And as always, we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be starting up uh, with another great round uh, on the Coach's Corner panel. And I've got two uh, fantastic professionals going to be joining me here in just a second. And then a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest this evening. Uh, believe it or not, and I didn't know this until just a little while ago, a fellow Canadian, uh, James Kovacs. Uh, he's the founder and CEO of GolfSwing.com, the world's largest online golf instruction platform. Uh, he's going to be coming on talking about that, and uh, we're going to maybe swap a few uh, Canadian stories. Never, I'll try not to bore you guys too much, but hey, I don't get too, uh, too often do I get one on here with me, so when I do, I'm going to take advantage of it. But anyways, thanks for joining me tonight here on the program. I always uh, look forward to doing my Thursday uh, night broadcast. Just remember, for those of you that uh, are joining us live, uh, it's 6 to 8 uh, Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Best way to find us, of course, is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Live. Or you can just simply type Golf Talk Live up in the search key, and that will take you to the main page. And, of course, uh, every Thursday night will always be front and center. For some reason, if you can't join us live, not to worry. Just scroll down that uh, page, and you'll find the on-demand section. And that's where all of the previously aired uh, shows are in their entirety. So you can just scroll down and, and pick one maybe that you've missed or listen to a couple of them if you have, uh, have the time. Um, but as I said, if you can't join us live, uh, the uh, show will, after it ends, will compile, and, and shortly afterwards it will be available in the recorded version so you can listen to it whenever it's convenient for you. Uh, some other great ways to tune into the program as well is if you go to iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, or TuneIn.com, uh, you'll be able to listen there as well. And again, just type in Golf Talk Live, and that will get you there. Uh, also, uh, like to update on social media on Facebook.com. You can uh, follow me personally. My name is uh, Ted Odorico, and it's spelled O-D-O-R-I-C-O. Uh, you can get it on my personal page, or you can go to the Golf Talk Live blog page uh, and find the show there. And I post it each and every week, says who's going to be on the show, who's going to be on the, the Coach's Corner panel, and who my special guest of that week is going to be. Uh, and you can also uh, follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Ted and Buck CEO, and CEO is in capital letters. And again, thank you as always uh, for some of you recent followers. Uh, I will always uh, keep you posted as well on, on some of the upcoming events. Uh, and you can also tune in through uh, LinkedIn.com. You can follow me there under my personal uh, name as well. And, and again, thanks for all the recent uh, connections. So as I said, we're going to be um, having a great discussion tonight on the Coach's Corner panel. Let me just tell you a little bit about uh, uh, my panelists tonight, and then uh, I'll bring them on to join me here, and we'll begin our uh, discussion this evening. Uh, first up, of course, uh, they've both been on uh, many times on the panel, and as uh, my featured guest, uh, first up is Jamie Leno-Zimron. She's a Class A LPGA teacher professional as well as a speaker, instructor, body worker, and consultant. She's also a fifth-degree Aikido black belt. Uh, she's also a corporate and conference speaker. 
uh, executive trainer and coach and speaker for Visage International and EC Canada, which is the executive committee and also founder of the Kiai Way. Also joining on the panel is uh, Chuck Evans, uh, Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher and uh, Golf Digest Top Teachers in America, one of them, and uh, also a Top 50 Growth of the Game teacher. Uh, Chuck is the Director of Instruction at Emerald Bay Golf uh, Course in Destin, Florida, and of course the owner of Chuck Evans Golf. Uh, guys, welcome to the Coach's Corner panel tonight on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for Thank you, us, Chad. Chad. It's always an honor and, and pleasure and a lot of fun to be on your show, so thanks. Well, I appreciate it, guys, and, and as always, I thank you uh, both for giving of your time, and as I've said so many times in the past, I know it's not always easy when you've uh, been out in the golf course or out in the practice tee, uh, working with your students all day or other uh, corporate outings and, uh, and having to come back and, and give uh, an hour of your time. So I appreciate it sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Thank you guys for doing this. Um, okay, so, so guys, what we're going to talk about, we talked a little bit uh, before we came live uh, what tonight's discussion is going to be. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to unpack the playing lesson. Um, most people are familiar with uh, typical golf instruction, uh, whether it be online or, or in person. Uh, but uh, more and more now what's happening in the industry, and has been for obviously several years now, uh, is the playing lesson. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's involved there. But I want to get uh, just an idea from both of you. I'm just going to ask you a very quick question. Uh, I'm going to go ladies first this time. Jamie, what typically uh, is a playing lesson for you? How many holes do you typically play? Or do you typically have in a playing, an average playing lesson? Well, honestly, Ted, that so depends. Um, because the lesson could be that we're just doing an hour, and so we're going to go out on course for an hour, and we may focus on okay. one or two holes. We may focus on uh, a certain aspect, you know, driving the ball or uh, approaches right. to the green or 100 yards in or, um, you know, so it, it, you know, short shots but on course. So that, that could be uh, one format. Sometimes we'll go out for three holes or six holes, um, and, you know, mm-hmm. frequently we'll do nine holes. And uh, on occasion, if people have the time and the uh, actually, honestly, the finances, because playing lessons, you know, they they can cost some money. Um, they take a lot of time. Um, you know, sure. I occasionally do 18-hole playing lessons, but I would say anywhere, honestly, from one to two holes up to nine holes. Right. So it, it obviously varies depending on the circumstances and obviously uh, the individual's budget. If they want to be more involved, uh, they can certainly get into a nine hole. Chuck, what about you? Is that pretty consistent with uh, with how you uh, do your playing lessons as well? Uh, give us a, a little bit of a, a quick rundown. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends on, on uh, I mean, I do all those plus plus some other things. But, you know, if uh, if you got a tournament coming up, let's say, uh, we might go out and just do shots around the green uh, from different lies and then try to hit uh, different types of shots, you know, and then think, hit the one that you think you like. Now, then we'll throw in some options. And then which of those has the highest success rate? Uh, so, you know, a lot of youngsters like to hit the, you know, the high Nicholson lob, you know, and that's not always the best <laughs> shot, you know. So, right. So, so try right. to try to get them to to hit different shots, and then out of those different shots, okay, which one has the highest success ratio? That's the one you should be playing. Yeah, and Ted, right. I think exactly. that in terms of you know, in terms of playing lessons um, and kind of the purpose of them, and then 
how many holes we play. It's really not about how many holes necessarily. It's uh, right. like Chuck was saying, it's the kinds of shots you want to work on, uh, what you really want to gain more experience and knowledge from being on course with the pro. Um, so I think that, you know, you've got to think of it kind of that way as well. And sometimes people want to play a whole nine holes and just kind of, you know, watch me, see me, let's work on some things. Just that this is what I'm like when I play nine holes. And uh, what are you seeing right. here? What do we work on here? So, so it so depends on, uh, you know, what, what really the purpose of the lesson is. Right. Well said. And, and I, I, the reason why I asked you both that question was just to get an idea so people understand because uh, there's a lot of folks out there that maybe have not taken a playing lesson yet, and I want to give them an idea of maybe what they can expect. Now, the other uh, thing that I want to ask you, and, and Chuck, I'm going to start with you this time, and then, and then Jamie. Uh, and again, let me just preface uh, tonight's discussion a little bit with, uh, with the listeners out there. Um, every coach and, and teach professional may have some crossover or similarities, but we're all individual. We all have our own unique uh, styles and approaches to things. So there's no real right or wrong answer here. It's a matter up to the individual and how they want to best tailor or customize uh, their experience for their students. So just keep that in mind. And for the students out there, uh, the idea and purpose of tonight's discussion is to give you an idea of some other options as opposed to just going out to the driving range and hitting you know, a bucket or two of balls uh, all the time. So these are uh, some food for thought. So Chuck, um, my, my question for you is this. You, you've got a, a student that's arrived at the course now uh, and they've signed up for a playing lesson. Before you go out on that playing lesson, is there a, a warm-up or a preparation period uh, to get them ready for what, uh, whatever experience they may have? And if so, uh, what do you typically uh, involve? Well, so if it's a player I've had before, I already know what, basically what their shot shape is, their trajectories and all that stuff. So they just get warmed up and we go. If it's somebody I haven't had before, um, typically I won't start them with a playing lesson because I, I need to check some other things first as far as flexibilities, sure. give them a physical screen and that kind of stuff. But if, you know, if they absolutely have to go, yes, I'll let them warm up and I'll watch what their tendencies are, whether it's a, somebody that pull cuts it or, you know, uh, push hooks it, whatever it is. So when we get to the course, uh, the thing I always say is what are you, what shot do you see and what are you going to try to do? And then they'll tell me, and they'll attempt attempt to hit the shot. Let's say there's somebody that the first hole needs a draw, and they're a fader. Uh, and they'll say, well, you know, I just play a fade. I'm just trying to hit it out in the fairway. And I'll say, well, this hole is actually designed for you to draw it, and you don't draw it. So I don't care if you snap hook it. Make a swing that's going to make the ball curve the opposite direction. I said, it's, at this point, it's taking it to the golf course and, and – figuring out what the course is giving you. So, you know, uh, and typically they won't be able to do that the first couple of holes, but but I've also had people go out there that do do that. They'll just hit the biggest screaming hook you've ever seen in their faders, but they're absolutely <laughs> ecstatic because they're playing on a different, different side of the fairway. So a lot right. of it is, well, this is what the course is putting in front of you. So if you want to play it the way that, that it's designed, it calls for this shot. Um, you know, when Tiger was at the peak of his game, we had this discussion. You were, you almost got in there um, about Tiger winning last week. Um, when he was at the peak of his game, every shot he hit was a correct shot for that hole or that or that pin placement. Every shot. Right. So, 
a lot of players say, I want to work the ball. Well, in order to work it, you have to have, first you have to have a one-way miss to work it. You can't have a two-way miss. So master one piece of it, then go to the next. So, but to answer your question on the playing lesson, yeah, it's, if it's a player I already know, then they warm up and we go and we work on whatever it is our topic of the day is. Uh, if it's a player that okay. I haven't worked with, then, yeah, I'm going to see what their shot shape is and I'm going to set them up, you know, on the correct side or, or the given side of the tee box or aim to a certain part of the green, you know, so they can maximize it because everybody for some reason thinks that you have to hit it at the flag. And that'd be great if you're holding every shot. But uh, <laughs> if you're a fader, you know, and you have a left-hand pin, uh, you don't want to start that ball outside left. You know, you've got to just start at the pin, let it fade to the middle, so at least you have a putt. So we just talk right. about things that they think about, and then and then I'll say, well, what if you thought of thought of it this way? So I just I'm just trying to get their mindset to see the course in a different way. Right. Very well said, Jamie. What about you? I mean, uh, something very similar. You've got a student that comes in. Uh, do you typically uh, let them go through a, a warm-up if, if you've worked with them before, as Chuck does, and just let's get out on the golf course? Uh, or is there a certain routine that you like to go through before you take them out on the golf course? Uh, how, how do you handle things in that respect? Well, Ted, I like to think of it like this. Just as we teach people to have a pre-shot routine, that I right. like to think of it as a pre-round routine. Um, and so... You know, what do you do in, uh, to get ready to go out on the golf course? And we may do that in, you know, a bit of a, a miniature, right? And <laughs> take as much time sure. as we might. But I think people should have some way, you know, uh, when they get to the golf course and kind of some routines they go through. And in terms of warming up, I, as you know, I'm very big on fitness. And I think it's very important to warm up our bodies and our body mind, get that connection going, feel centered, grounded, uh, stretched out, uh, you know, I use my golf bliss fitness exercises, a, a balance, lengthen, integrate, stretch, strengthen, uh, so that, you know, people really are can, can begin to get themselves in the zone, right, um, and bring their mind right. and their body into the place where they're going to be going out to play golf. Um, we'll hit a few shots. I mean, I always recommend that people, even if they don't have a lot of time, hit a few shots just to make some swings and loosen their bodies up. We want to prevent injuries. We want to maximize performance. Uh, so, and that depends. That's part of the kind of practice routine. And do you, I like to go from and to teach people to warm up with their shorter clubs or wedges first and move up through the bag. Um, some people like to chip and putt before they go out or at least um, for sure uh, hit a few putts and roll the ball a little bit, get a feeling for their stroke, get a feeling for the greens, um, even though not all practice greens are the same as on course. But, you know, so sure. I'll go through, um, you know, some pre-round routine and encourage people to have that. So then they're ready to go to the first tee. And that I also like to be very clear with uh, students what we want to accomplish with our time together on the golf course in the, in the playing lesson on this particular day. Yeah, well said. And, and I like a couple of key points, um, really, that both of you have said uh, again, some of it mirrors one another, and, and some might be a little bit different from one another. Um, but, you know, Chuck, you talk about, the, depending on the individual students, students that you've worked with before, that you're familiar with, uh, not just their ball flight, but you're, you're familiar with their, with their golf game in general, 
maybe don't need to take as much time in the warm-up. Just let them warm up a little bit, uh, and then let's get out in the golf course and work on, on uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Um, on the other right. hand, maybe a student that's uh, a first-time student uh, with you, you want to get a better feel and understanding of where they're currently at um, so that you know what to expect when you take them out on, on the playing lesson. And then conversely, Jamie, you know, obviously I know you, you have a combination of that as well, but I like the fact that you make a point of not just letting them warm up hitting balls, uh, but actually getting into sort of a, a pre-round routine, not just with ball striking and putting and things like that, but also getting ready with warm-up exercises, stretching exercises and things like that, which is key and critical to get out there and play your best golf. And a lot of people negate uh, both of those areas. So I like uh, really both answers. And as I said a few moments ago, not everybody is going to do things exactly the same. That's what makes us all individuals. Um, but there are going to be some similarities. And I like the fact that you're thinking about the student first and not about what we want to do, but really what's in the best interest of the student. So great answers, guys. Um, Jamie, take a deep breath, and I'm coming back to you first. This time we're going to reverse the order again and then, and then Chuck. Um, do you typically play, uh, and I know you kind of guys have, have uh, talked a little bit about this already, but do you typically play straight holes or do you uh, create scenarios uh, or um, different situations out on the golf course? Uh, and, and there's a second part to this. Do you try, again, based on the player's ability, current ability, do you try to give them challenges that are going to push them a little bit, not, certainly not overwhelm them, but push them a little bit. So the first part, Jamie, do you typically go out and just sort of play one or two or three holes, or is there a strategy that you have in place for them? And if so, uh, do you sometimes throw in a few monkey wrenches, if you will, to test their ability and their pressure levels? <laughs> well, you kind of answered some of that in some of the things that you said. Again, it's always important for me to be clear on what we're trying to accomplish uh, so that we're sure that sure. the student uh, has the kinds of experiences and gets their kinds of questions answered or gains the kinds of experience that they want on the golf course while they've got me, the pro, with them, you know, next to them. So mm -hmm. uh, that being said, you know, we may, we may play um, a hole or two just kind of see where we're at or they can explain, you know, here's what, what happens to me on the golf course or here's what happens. Uh, that may or may not, uh, we may or may not take that time to do that, but I kind of like to kind of get into it, just get the juices flowing and just be sure, you know, what's going on. Right. And then absolutely, we may hit, you know, a couple extra shots, you know, hit two or three drives. Maybe we're going to, uh, we want to land the ball on this side of the fairway or that side of the fairway or whatever um, and just, you know, take a few extra shots whenever we can, uh, drop a ball from different distances and different kinds of lies. I really like to uh, help people have that experience of the different kinds of lies. What if we're here? What if we're here? Ask them what lies kind of right. throw you, what, what challenges you, what scares you, what are you uncomfortable with? Maybe we'll try uh, right. different clubs from a, a, the same lie or out of the rough. Um, you know, some people love hybrids, some people hate them, some people like their irons, some don't. And, you know, well, what if we played this shot with, uh, with this hybrid or with this iron? Um, just, you know, those kinds of situations. Um, yep. One of my favorite golf schools that I like to teach uh, is like a whole weekend, a couple days in a row, two even up to three days, and it's called Troubleshot School. And what we do in Troubleshot School 
is in the morning we go through different kinds of uh, scenarios that are trouble shots, you know, under trees, out of this grass, out of that grass. Um, could be long grass with a short pin. Could be over bunkers as a trouble shot for, for people. Whatever that is, uh, or what the ball's right up against, it is on the fringe of the green, but it's right up against the third cut of grass, right? The really long grass. And what do you do? And try out different clubs, uh, belly the wedge or hit a hybrid or putt it with your putter. You know, how do you, what should we do in this situation? And just give options and give the experience, the opportunity to experience those different shots. It's amazing how that then, uh, when, then we go out on the golf course, and we're not playing straight holes at all. What we're doing is specifically dropping the ball in all kinds of trouble circumstances. And that school right. has had right. so many rave reviews because and who doesn't get in trouble, right? And who uh, doesn't want to gain confidence and gain experience and gain actually technical knowledge? Is there a certain technique or a club or, you know, do I hit down on it here? What do I do in this situation? And when people have the experience on the golf course and with the pro next to them and we talk about it, it's amazing how that transfers to when they're playing in their own game of golf and they feel like, oh, my God, I was already here. I did that when I was in school, right, when I was in golf school. And right. so they just gain a lot of um, confidence from that. So I would say that I do like to mix it up. I do like to give challenges. And I do like to really be responsive to students because for – one person, a certain lie may not give them trouble, and for another person, that lie will give them trouble or that situation. So, you know, whatever person is needing, or maybe they played golf last week and they uh, they had a blow-up hole, and maybe we'll review that hole and what happened on it and how did that blow up, what could they have done differently, uh, what happened mentally to right. them and emotionally. Really, look, well, I really like to look at that on the golf course and, and watch how their emotions are affecting their mental game and ultimately their swing, you know, in the shot. Yeah, and that's a great, right. And that's a, that's a great point that you bring up. You know, I like the fact, um, you know, that you, you encompass that around uh, a trouble shot school, if you will. Uh, You know, as you pointed out, Jamie, there are more often than not, when you're out in the golf course, you're not going to have a perfect lie. Even the best players uh, fall into situations where they have to be able to, to use a little bit of imagination to, to, in order to recover or get back into that uh, particular hole. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that most amateur golfers make is, uh, you know, when they're on the practice tee, is they're trying to hit from perfect situations or perfect lies all the time, and that's uh-huh. not realistic to the golf course. So, right. So, so Chuck, uh, sort of a similar question to you, but I'm going to add a little bit of a twist uh, to it just to, to mix it up and make it a little bit different uh, since Jamie sort of uh, opened the door for it. In addition, obviously, to uh, maybe creating different scenarios, uh, you also want to, while you're out there, test their course management a little bit, their mental uh, uh, chops, if you will, to see how they're going to handle under pressure shots. Um, give us a little insight onto that, how you work uh, through that with some of your students. Well, so, yeah, it, it's you know, when we go out on, on the course for, for playing lessons, a lot of it is course management. And that's why, you know, we talk about this is, this is how this whole design, this is the kind of shots that are designed. Um, but we also work a lot uh, on, like Jamie said, some of the troubles. I mean, I have players that don't like the ball above their feet. So every hole where we're out, we're hitting shots with the ball above our feet. 
Um, I, I'm not a big proponent of standing on the tee line and just doing block for an hour. You know, I, I, in fact, I hate that. I tell my players not to do that. Um, so when they're when they're at the range, we are always random practice because that's what it is on the golf course. So when you go out for the, for the playing lesson, it's like a random practice on the range. You're hitting different clubs from different lies, different angles, different pin placements. Is the ball going to release? Is it going to check? Are you trying to spin it? Are you trying to roll it forward? Um, but I always ask those questions. What do you, and I try to get the players to tell me, what are you thinking? What kind of shot do you see? They'll hit the shot, and then I'll give them options. All right now I want you to hit this club lower trajectory or this club higher trajectory or this club curving it right to left, this club curving it left to right. Um, and and you, you find their comfort zone, and then you add a little pressure to it. And I do it, I do it by, uh, I don't play much with them when I go out, but if, I'm, if it's a pressure, if it's an on-course management pressure situation, then I say, okay, here's the deal. We're going to play that. We're going to play this. If you win, you don't owe me anything. If I win, you owe me doubles. So now the pressure's <laughs> on. So <laughs> you know, and and at the rate I charge, you know, it's a it's a pretty good sum of money for them. And and I tell the parents the same thing. I mean, this is what we're going to do. The size is going to learn how to play under pressure, or she's going to learn how to play under pressure. Right. Even if they're even if they're amateurs. <laughs> You know, you, you got to add the pressure to it, you know. So, so I try to get them. I try to tell them, you know, when you're when you're playing in a tournament and you're under pressure, do not try to hit a shot that you haven't practiced. Hit shots that you're comfortable with. If you don't feel like you can make this par five in two, then use a club that lays up to a yardage that you want. Don't just get up there and bash it and see how close you can get it, because you might be at an, at an uncomfortable yardage. So we do a lot of that. I mean, it's, it's it's the taking it to the course part, and it's a lot of random style practice. Uh, I'll give you a, just a quick example. Um, I had uh, the top players, the number one junior player from 15 different com- uh, countries over in Europe, Asia, and South America. They're number one player, and we had 15 of them from 15 different countries. So these, these kids could play. So the first thing we did after they got loosened up and the introductions and all that stuff is we went out to the golf course and on the par four, I put the ball in the middle of the fairway at the hundred yard marker. And so they have to play it out on the par fives. I put it at the 200 marker in the middle of the fairway, the par threes, I put it in the bunker or in the fringe, never on the green. I said, all you guys have to do is shoot par. Now a single one of them broke 80. I said, that's from, standing, wow. that's from standing in one place, doing block practice, working on your swing, instead of taking it to the golf course and learning how to score. So we do right. a lot of, of scoring stuff. You know, let's focus on the scoring. You're going to miss fairways. You're going to miss greens. So you've got to get it up and down. So, you know, this might be a scoring session. It might be uh, – uh, I, I talk to like pool. I said, have you ever played pool? And most of them have. I said, well, when you hit a when you hit a ball, you're setting up your next shot. So if you're standing on a hole, and the green and the pins to the left hand side of the green, you're setting it up at an angle to give you the best angle on your second shot. Or if it's in the right corner, you're still hitting your tee shot to set up your second shot. Everything is a setup for the next shot. 
But I also remember Mo Norman telling me years ago we were standing uh, we were standing together down in uh, uh, Daytona at Craig Shanklin's old place, and somebody said, uh, "So Mo, where are you trying to hit this?" He goes, "We're in the hole, of course." Oh, he's trying to hold every shot, but yet, you know, right. but yet one, one winter I was playing in the winter series down there and I was paired with him several times and he hit the flag six, six times in one of the rounds that I was playing with him. And I've never seen anybody wow. get so mad because hitting the flag stick usually doesn't drop it straight down. It kicks it off, but he was trying to right. hold every single shot. So, yeah, there's not many Mo Normans out there. No, he was an amazing uh, individual. I had the honor of uh, meeting him a few times, and and I won't uh, yeah. I won't take the, the time at this moment to share the story. I've shared it before on on air, um, but great great points, uh, both of you, and, and really, uh, you know, I, I think um, Chet, that was a Chet, sorry. Go I ahead, just, Jamie. Can I? I just want to piggyback a little bit on what uh, Chuck's saying, uh, just kind of put it in context, which I really like, is that uh, it's so important that golfers at every level really have the experience on the golf course. So what we want to do on the golf course is simulate all kinds of different situations as well as pressure, uh, pressure responses. Uh, You know, if you have a bad shot or you got in trouble, then what starts happening to your mental game, we're looking at that as well. And so it's, it's just that sense of simulation on the golf course of what, really happen so that when people are out there in a competition or just out there playing for themselves or playing for their own score or they want to play in a charity tournament and they can handle the pressure of the of the scramble and you know like you're the last one or the second one or whatever you've got to make this shot and you're you yeah. feel like you've had that experience so i mean i'll even simulate scrambles if i have a small group of players out there so that they Again, it depends on their objectives. So I may have three players who are pretty new players, and they want to be able to play in a charity tournament. And so well, what's a scramble? How does that work? What does it feel like? What do we do? What do I do? And with newer right. players, sometimes a playing lesson is really even getting more familiar with the golf course and with golf course etiquette, that sort of thing. There's a great quote that I always use in all of my trainings, whether it's corporate trainings, leadership trainings, golf trainings, doesn't matter. And it comes from Albert Einstein, who I think we all agree is a pretty smart guy. And what's so interesting yep. is he is—he's known for his mind, right? He was like a brainiac. Uh, mm. But his quote that I love is, "Learning is experience; all the rest is just information." So mm-hmm. we can give information, and we have to have the experience, uh, which is uh, when we're practicing, we're experiencing the information that the teacher or the instructor is giving about how to hold the club or play this shot or get it out of the sand, those sorts of things. And then we take that into experience on the golf course. And the more experience that a person has and under guidance with an instructor, which is what a playing lesson is, the more experience we have on the golf course, the more we start to know ourselves and be able to handle different situations. And so I think that that's, and Chuck's talking about that a lot too, is which is that it's so important to take all of our golf instruction and our golf practice out of the golf course in a playing lesson situation where you, you do have the tutelage of an instructor. And then ultimately, 
I always say when we're on the golf course and we're playing, at any level, all we really have is our own body, mind, and golf club. You can't even use your cell phone to call your instructor. You can't pull up your app. You can't put on your, you know, your laser on your putter or, or your swing right. whatever it is, <laughs> your tools. All you got is you, your body, your mind, and your golf club. And so it's so important that I think that we empower students to be able to handle themselves well in all kinds of situations. Uh, you know, the physical on the golf course as well as the mental, how they're sizing up the the situation, the distance, what they're thinking about, what they're visualizing, as well as their own self-talk and their, their mental, emotional game on the golf course. And so those are all things that we want to have to simulate, to have experience, and ultimately empower our students so that they can handle them themselves well when they're out on the golf course because we're really we're on our own, you know? I can, I can right. tell you firsthand and, and, that there are – there are some players, I can tell you firsthand, that absolutely never, never uh, get comfortable under pressure. They cannot handle the pressure. I mean, I, I, I see it all the time out on, out on the tee line at PGA Tour events. I see the same people struggle. They can hit it fine on the range. As soon as it comes time to tee it up, they can't find the golf ball because they are, they're so nervous they're intimidated and they don't have control of their emotion at all. So it's, it's, it's not something that, that everybody can do. And you pretty no, soon learn that, exactly... that, yeah. And if you can't do it, you're not going to stay out there. Right. That's exactly right. Um, I, I want to make uh, just a follow up a uh, couple of comments about what, what both of you were just talking about, but I want to share something real quick uh, about what you're just saying uh, now, Chuck, and, and that is about pressure. You know, when I played uh, years ago back home with some of my, my personal friends, um, that, that w- statement that you just made was, was never more truer. You know, I had one friend in particular, I'm not going to name his name, but, um, you know, we would uh, get out there and, we, you know, we'd be playing our round, and, you know, he'd hit a pretty decent ball. He was certainly not, a, you know, going to contend in, on the PGA Tour, but he was a pretty good ball striker. But as soon as we would throw a couple of dollars on a par three, you know, close to the pin, uh, suddenly, I don't know where his golf game went, but it evaporated. He just couldn't hit the ball. And he'd be, you know, left, right, and up and down, and and every which way but loose. And, again, he could not handle that pressure. But if there wasn't money on it, uh, then, you know, he was fine. He was comfortable. He hit a good ball. He'd make it on on the green and, and, uh, you know, make par or even birdie sometimes. But as soon as there was a couple of dollars on there, that pressure just got to him and he couldn't handle it. So it's a great point. I wanted to, to just follow up a little bit from really what both of you said, um, but just add uh, an additional thought. You know, if you listen over the career of, of uh, you know, arguably one of the greatest players, uh, certainly in the men's side of things, that's played this game, Jack Nicholas, you never heard him talk about ball striking ability um, or hitting the perfect shot. He always talked about his course management and how he had to navigate around the golf course. Uh, he never mm-hmm. talked about, well, I've got to make sure I hit all of my irons uh, crisp and solid. I mean, that was a given, obviously. It was about his course management. And we obviously know his record very, very well um, from following his career. So it, it goes to the point, Jamie and Chuck, what you've been talking about here is is the experience. I mean, you can hit balls day in, day out. You can line up the top 100 uh, golf instructors in the world, never mind in America, but in the world, and stand a student beside them, and they can give them all the uh, instruction that they want on the practice tee. But until they actually go out and put that uh, information 
into practice and gain and learn experience, they're never going to become a better player. They're going to certainly have certain information, but they're not going to become a better player. And if you look also uh, currently what's going on with Tiger Woods, you know, when he was away from the game for a little while, uh, I'm sure he practiced on the practice tee and he probably played a few practice rounds, but he was not in tournament pressure for several years there. And when he came back, he struggled with that because he wasn't used to that scenario. He hadn't, he lost some of that experience because he'd been away from the game for a while. So even a player of his caliber can lose a little bit. So for you listeners out there, um, pay special attention to what was just said a, a little while ago by both of these great professionals, because you have to gain that experience. You've got to get out on the golf course and learn how to score. It's not just about how well you can hit the golf ball. It's about how well you can score. And that's what's going to lower your handicaps. So I, I'm going to go back to you, Jamie, real quick with, uh, with the next question here. Now, obviously, uh, as you both pointed out, our players are, are wanting to practice certain things. And maybe we're going to get, get them out in the golf course and create some different scenarios. But you as the instructor or coach, what are you looking for? What's your eye looking for? Uh, in addition to their physical abilities, are there other things like uh, maybe their indecision uh, or nervousness? What are things that key things that you're looking for during that play lesson? I definitely look at where they, uh, you know, we'll look at where does the person feel comfortable? Where does the person feel like uh, they have strength? Where are weaknesses in the game? Where does that insecurity, that nervousness, those kind of shakes, that uh, uh, more negative or self-doubting self-talk come in? Where does the positive self-talk come in? Uh, What happens in between shots? What's the person's bearing in between shots? Um, How do they approach the tee? You know, do they want to just get right up there and tee off, or is it like, ah, you go first, (laughs) right? Um, They're kind of hanging back. They're not so sure. And I like to, you know, do do people have preferences? What what fits their eye? This kind of hole, that kind of hole. Um, This kind of shot, that kind of shot. Definitely like to see what people's preferences are and where they feel most Mm -hmm. and least comfortable. We're looking at shape shot. uh, Sorry, um, shot shape, pardon me. Uh, and uh, uh, as well as I really pay a lot of attention to 100 yards in and what kind of clubs, what kind of shots people like, uh, higher shots, uh, pitch and run shots. I want people to be experienced uh, in and out of bunkers and from, you know, uh, chips where they're running the ball up there to flying it up there um, or pitch shots. We definitely spend time with all kinds of different putts, reading greens, short putts, long putts. I love to do competitions, short game kind of competitions, uh, even with me, you know, uh, or mm. uh, putting competitions. Mm. And, again, put that pressure on and <clears throat> kind of situation so that people experience that. And then I really pay attention to their responses, their reactions, because self-talk comes out as talk, right? Um, yeah, right. Are they, right. Are yep. they, uh, right. How are they? Are they upset? Are they blaming themselves? Are they blaming the grass? Are they blaming the wind? Are they um, able to let things go? Uh, how do they move on? How don't they move on? If they get in trouble, are they like giving up on parring or bogeying the hole and just like, well, this is lost and what the heck? Um, or um, do they feel like, hey, even from 100 yards in, I can get the ball up and down and save my par or save my bogey? And you know, I like to just really really pay attention to all those aspects and also what 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 is their pre-shot routine uh how do they prepare 
to for each shot and to and it, again in between shots what are they doing and you know people are different there isn't a right or wrong way to be and some people right. like to talk and joke and laugh right. some people get really serious and really focused so it's it's all these kinds of things and and a lot about comportment on the golf course so those are also situations that I like to simulate so that people, uh, especially a lot of, you know, average or newer golfers, so that they feel comfortable and they they feel like they can hold their own uh, with any players, whether they hit the ball real far or not, but they know how to, how to comport themselves on a golf course, keep up pace of play, and be a positive contributing member of, uh, to, the, to a positive experience on the golf course and not kind of a downer for the the other players. So, you know, there's there's all these kinds of things. And the other is I just really like to listen for questions. And I'm very open to questions because <laughs> this is a student's chance. This is a player's, a golfer's chance to ask their questions because there you are. We're right there on the golf course and ask away. Yeah, and, and that's a great yeah. point, too. I mean, it's very important uh, you know, a lot of people go out there and, and obviously because of nerves and things like that they're, or shyness, um, they're afraid to ask questions. Primarily, I think for most people, they don't want to feel like or they don't want to look stupid. They, they're afraid that the questions they're going to ask are going to make them look uh, uh, stupid or, or, or something to that effect. So they're a little bit apprehensive. Um, Chuck, you know, something else that you might be looking for when you're out there uh, are you keeping stats w- with some of your students as they go out there? Are you looking to see how many greens they're hitting, um, you know, how many fairways they're hitting, how many putts they're taking once they get on the green? Are, are you paying attention to those things closely? Or are they keeping track of them as they go out there in the playing lesson uh, as well as yourself? Or, or is that something that you're really not focusing that much on at that particular time? Well, I'm focusing more on, on their tell, just like gamblers have a tell when they have a good hand or a bad hand. So I, yep. I, I watch their body language. I, lo- I watch their eyes. I watch how they're approaching the shot. Uh, uh, un- unlike Jamie, I don't call it a pre-shot routine because that would indicate that every shot is exactly the same. So I just call it pre-shot. So my players are used to that. Um, so I, I know, you know, and I time their pre-shot. Is this one longer? Was this one shorter? I mean that that if it's longer, I know that they've got some. They're undecided. They're just right. not quite sure what they want to do. So their pre-shots taking a little longer. Um, in fact, today when when we were doing one, I noticed that the, you know we're we're working on hitting the ball different trajectories and and different curves uh, into off the off the tee and into the greens. And so the player would make the the mechanical, you know, uh, pre-shot, visualizing what they want, then they'd go up there and they didn't execute it the way they wanted. So I said, well, either your visualization or, or, or your pre-shot mechanics didn't match what you actually hit. I said, this time, right. the next shot, I want you to just go up to the, I just want you to take a look, find your start line. I want you to tell me out loud what shot you're going to hit and go up and hit it. So what we did is we took all the mechanical thought pieces out, and all they thought was curving and trajectory. And every shot did exactly what they want, what we wanted it to do. So we changed the pre-shot just based on you know, this player taking so long and trying to make everything mechanically perfect instead of just seeing the shot and then executing the shot. So we do keep stats. We keep uh, 
you know, we keep all the normal stats, but we also do proximity sure. to hole. Um, you know, I mean, if your proximity averages 25 feet, you know, and PGA Tour, the average proximity to hole is like 20 feet, uh, number one. So if you're at 25 feet, the chances of you making a lot of putts is not very good. So we work mm-hmm. on proximity. We use a percentage. If it's if it's 120 yards in, or you, we want the ball within 12 feet. If it's 150 yards in, we want it within 15 feet. So it's always measured down to feet instead of yards. So if it's, so if it's 100 yards, we want it at 10 feet. So that's how we mm-hmm. narrow the, the focus down. And then we go and we step it off, right? Well, this is supposed to be 10, and you hit it 15 feet. So good or bad, right. I ask them. Usually they'll say bad, and I go, well, bad because you didn't hit it 10, or bad because you're on the green, you actually have a putt for Berkey. So, so yeah, yeah, there is no good yeah. and bad. It just it just gives you a more right. intense focus. So, but that's yeah, that's well why I, I watch more. I watch more for their body language and, and what's going on. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, yeah. and, and obviously, uh, you know, I agree a little bit with what you said that the the stats, you know, certainly uh, are, are something to look at. But I think sometimes people get caught too much up in the stats because you can get on, you know, in yeah. the, as you just pointed out a few moments ago, Chuck, you can get in the middle of the fairway every single time, but still not break eighty because you're not right. understanding how to score properly. Same thing with get on the right. greens, but you can end up three putting. So, you know, there's a lot of variables uh, to be considered there. So I, I want to do this, Chuck. I'm going to uh, start with you, and then I'm going to end with Jamie on this last question. Uh, we, we've got probably about maybe uh, 15 minutes uh, for both of you, uh, not independently, but uh, together. So, so keep that in mind. Um, but is there a post-playing lesson review or discussion that happens? And if so, do you tend to typically give them some sort of an assignment to work on based on their performance during that playing lesson. Um, Chuck, you go ahead first. So we do a pre and a post on playing lessons as well as tournaments. Um, uh, and the, the pre is the game plan. And, of course, the post is how we executed the game plan. And let's right. say that that particular player had had uh, uh, trouble from 135 yards. For example, sure. Um, so we'll work on on that that distance in that particular club. Um, you know, I we actually have our own kind of scorecard stat tracker. It lets me know their tee ball tendencies, center, right or left, right or left rough. Uh, it lets me know the greens. You know, if a pin is right and they have a certain yardage with a certain club, what is their tendency? So let's say you right. have a right-hand pin from 155 yards, you hit an 8-iron, and it's always short right. It's not rocket science. Take a bigger club and aim further left. Okay, so we don't get into the mechanics of it. We just try to drill it down. And we don't want them to to be so stat conscious, you know, because, uh, I mean, I've, I've got players that will hit, you know, uh, 12 out of 14 fairways. They'll hit six, 16 out of 18 greens. And they shoot par. And I go, so why do we shoot par? Well, boy, well, I need to make more putts. Well, how do you make more putts? Well, i got to hit it closer. Well, all these things add pressure. <laughs> if, if a player is right. averaging 22 feet on their proximity to hole and, they're not, and they blame it on putting, it's not putting. It's proximity to hole. 
So now that puts pressure on them to hit it closer so they can make putts. So everything we do is designed to take pressure off of them. Because, like I said, some people can handle it and, handle it and some people can't. It's always yeah, great yeah. when you go and that, with your friends. And they, yeah, it's always great when you go out with your friends and they play pretty decent. But like you said, when it's time to tee it up for a little money or something, they can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I've, Too much I've, I've experienced that with my – yeah, I've experienced that with my own friends uh, over the years uh, quite a bit. Um, Jamie, yeah. what about you? I, I imagine that you have a, um, a post-review re- and, and discussion uh, with your students as well. And, and in that discussion, after you, you've reviewed what's gone on uh, throughout that particular playing lesson, I imagine that maybe you're going to give them some things to, to take away to think about or work on until maybe the next time that you get together. Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. First, I think it's really important. I always do a summary. We go together through a summary of the lesson, and I like to ask them, you know, what did you enjoy the most? What did you get the most out of? What was a success? Uh, what were some successes you had? And they have a lot to say about that, right? Um, and we make notes on this, and I put in some notes, they put in some notes, so together. But I have them actually do the writing of it, whether they're writing it on their phone or writing it uh, with a pencil and paper or something. But uh, And I also ask them, I require them to email me the summary of the lesson right. and with, with some of the points that I just said. Then we talk about what to practice. And so, you know, it's coming up with a practice plan, but also a playing plan or a, a practice playing plan. So it should say it that way so that they're practicing on the range and all with purpose, but they want to be, I want them to play with purpose. And so we'll look at when you're going out next to play, how often do you play, uh, what's the situation going to be. And it could be a fun round. It could be that they can spend an hour or two at the end of the day by themselves bopping around the golf course and playing some different shots. What are they going to do? It could be that they're playing in a competition. And so we want to prepare so that their playing has a purpose and that it will be an experience that they can integrate the lesson and integrate into some real on-course improvement. And a couple things that I like to tell my students, one is a story that I'd like to share. Um, you know, I'm called the Golf Sensei, right? Sure. Because I, I'm actually now... Yeah, I'm actually, I was promoted not too long ago, Ted, so I'm a six-degree black belt now in Aikido. Oh, <laughs> and, um, okay, I'll, cha- I'll change that. Yeah, um, but uh, so I noticed through many years of uh, Japanese senseis, Aikido, martial arts instructors coming to America, some wouldn't speak English that well, and they would, all of them would use this word that I began to learn in Japanese, and the word is onaji. And they would always say, you see, onaji, same, same. That, that all these complex movements, it was like the same. So it looked like something different, but it was really the same. Onaji, when you looked at the principles and you looked at what they were really doing, the order of movement from their feet up through their hips, through their shoulders, finally out to their hands and the actual techniques that came out. But it was same. And so I've extrapolated this onaji, the same idea, because I think that, what we need to be into to really practice and accomplish is having the same feeling, whether we're on the practice tee or we're on the golf course, whether it's a practice swing or the ball's actually in front of us, whether we're in competition or we're just out playing for fun. 
Now, clearly those situations are all different, but a lot of people say, how come I can make a great practice swing and then I get the ball in front of me and all of a sudden the swing's different? How come I'm fine on the range and then you get me in the golf course? How come I'm fine when I'm just playing for fun, but now you put me in competition? And so this idea of same, the one factor that's the same is us. And so when we can practice how to... Uh, be the same in different situations, and that is to keep ourselves in a centered, connected, uh, sequential, rhythmical, positive place, and we practice that so that no matter the situation, whether there's a ball in front of us or not, we can execute uh, same. We can make our same swings, and that's been a very, very helpful kind of story and concept for people. And another way that I like to practice that is uh, one of my students came up with something called be the ball. And he said, I realized that my problem is when the ball is in front of me. So we started to go on the golf course and go through all the motions, tee it up, make practice swings, hit hit the shot, but without a ball. So we actually will, and we'll play a hole or two or three even without a ball, and then we'll play with a ball, and then without a ball, and then with a ball. And uh, it's really a fascinating practice. When we play without the ball, you can decide where that ball went. You can give yourself, you can make eagle, you can get on in two, you can sink an 80-foot putt, you can sink a chip out of the bunker to give yourself that emotional experience, that somatic in-the-body experience. And it's a really great way to to practice um, same, <laughs> shall we say, uh, within, to actually play holes on the golf course without the ball. So I want to offer that to people. Right. Also, we do we do what I call speed golf. Like we'll be thinking, we'll be practicing, we're focusing, we're conscious, and then it's like you know what? No practice swings. We're not taking any time. We're gonna either walk fast. Sometimes we run if we're uh, if people can run, or we drive out of the cart. No practice swing, hit the ball, so that we play what I call out of our minds, and we have that experience that we're just just playing, just just play, just react, just do it. And so I think these are other ways that we can uh, kind of practice, and I like to leave people with those experiences and really emphasize them in the post-lesson review and also to be sure that people are incorporating these kinds of uh, fun and very high-value kinds of practice experiences into their on-course play. Yeah, great great answer, by the way, Jamie. Thank you. Um, you know, I think the other thing, too, that, um, you know, we want to have our, our players experience uh, and understand is, you know, in the, in the pre-playing uh, you know, uh, lesson, if you will, is we want to understand what their expectations are going to be. I think that's important as an instructor to understand what they're expecting from this experience. And it's not necessarily always about the physical part of their game or even the mental, but what are they wanting to, to take away from this experience? And then post-review, uh, we want to understand, did those expectations get met uh, and where, uh, where did they fall short? Um, you know, did they accomplish the task that they had set for themselves for that particular session? So I think it's important that, the, that there's always a dialogue. It's not always just about you know, how to hit shots and, and so on and so forth. There has to be a dialogue between students uh, and instructors and an understanding, and I think one of the problems that happens with with all parts of teaching or training, uh, even outside of the golf industry, is that more often than not, um, the students want more than anything else for us to listen and understand what it is that they want, 
uh, and not necessarily what we want them to do. So we have to make sure that we listen uh, to our students very carefully and understand what their wants, needs, and desires are, uh, and I think that they'll become a much well-rounded player. Um, well, guys, what a great discussion uh, tonight. I think that uh, for those listening, I think they got a, a good taste of, of what uh, goes into a, a good playing lesson and some of the things that uh, the students should expect when they get involved uh, with an instructor in the playing lesson and also for some of our fellow instructors out there to give them some food for thought as well uh, the next time they get uh, their students organized for some playing lessons. So uh, great discussion, guys. Um, as always, I'd like to give each of you a quick opportunity uh, to let the folks know how they can reach out if they choose to. So, uh, again, I'm going to go ladies first. Jamie, let the folks know how they can reach you uh, if they're interested in, in maybe connecting for a playing lesson or just uh, uh, getting some good information from you otherwise. Well, thank you so much, Ted, and uh, thank you, Chuck. It's really been fun to talk about this. I feel like we could uh, go on. It's such a favorite topic. <laughs> uh, so people can reach me at K-I-A-I. G-O-L-F.com, which is Kiai Golf. It's from the martial art of Aikido. Ki is your energy. I is this harmonious, synchronized way of playing. Excuse um, me, playing golf. So KiaiGolf.com, K-I-A-I, Golf.com. And they can also call me, excuse me, 760-492-G-O-L-F, 4653. Perfect. <laughs> <Excuse me>. um. <laughs> Sorry, I got um, some go ahead, Chuck. Uh, Seven six zero four nine two five. Sorry. Perfect. Um, Chuck, go ahead, and uh, for those that want to reach out to you as well, if they're interested in maybe uh, connecting with you for a playing lesson or or just even some some general help with their game, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, they can contact me through my website, ChuckEvansGolf.com. My email, phone number is all on there. Uh, I, I will say this about playing lessons. One brief thing is that if you are planning on taking a playing lesson, uh, try to take it with somebody that, that has actually played at a high level or taught high-level players um, that are successful you know, at, at that level. Because if, you, if you're taking a playing lesson, you want to be able to take it from somebody that's been there, done that. Uh, and and um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of players today or a lot of coaches today and this isn't the, to run down coaches. It's not meant to be. Uh, they haven't been there at, at two levels. So, you know, a playing lesson will be their idea of what should happen. And, and instead of taking it from the experience of actually how it goes right. out on the golf course. Perfect. Well said. Well, guys, thank you very much, as always, uh, for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. Again, very interesting discussion tonight about playing lessons. And uh, as always, you guys... Uh, uh, never cease to amaze me and bring your best. And I look forward to you guys uh, joining me next time on the Coach's Corner panel. Have a great uh, weekend and a great evening, guys. Thank you. All right, Ken. Thank you Thanks. both so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was my very special guests on the Coach's Corner panel, Chuck Evans and Jamie Leno-Zimron. Uh, great discussion, as I said, about the uh, uh, playing lesson. It's something that I think that all uh, of our golfers out there really need to um, get out there and do it. It's fine to go out to the driving range and, and uh, or on the practice tee and, and hit golf balls. I mean, we certainly got to practice uh, a little bit, but uh, I think if you're spending all of your time out there and not actually playing the game, uh, you're going to have a, a much bigger challenge trying to get uh, your scores down. Um, just remind everybody, of course, uh, 
we're live uh, every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, obviously, you find us at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. And uh, you can see us there live from 6 to 8 Thursday evenings. Uh, or you can just go to that link and scroll down to the on-demand section. If you're not able to join us during the live broadcast, and uh, you'll find the recorded versions there um, at any time, and you can listen to them when it's convenient to you. Uh, or you can go to iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, uh, or TuneIn.com, and uh, you can also uh, join in the show from either of those social media platforms. I've got a very interesting guest tonight, um, and uh, a very interesting uh, aspect to the guest that I didn't know until a little while ago, and I'll share that with you in just a moment. But uh, my very special guest this evening is James, Co- uh, James Kovacs, and he is the uh, founder and CEO of GolfSwing.com. Uh, the world's largest online golf instruction platform. Uh, and let me just tell you a little bit about James. Before launching GolfSwing.com, he spent uh, 15 years focused on online marketing and software developing, helping uh, almost 10,000 automotive dealers enhance their online branding, uh, branding, excuse me, uh, reach local customers and maximize revenue. Uh, frustrated with his own uh, golf game and looking for better ways to improve, he used his vast experience in the software industry to create GolfSwing.com. Uh, with a sole focus and purpose of helping golfers like himself improve no matter what level they may be currently at. Uh, James built the uh, GolfSwing.com to focus on a variety of learning styles, uh, teaching methods, and coaching ops, and so giving uh, certainly a a great variety of uh, aspects to the game. And uh, I think it's a very interesting uh, uh, business, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about that tonight and a few other things as well. So let me welcome my very special guest this evening, James Kovacs. Good evening, thank James, you, and welcome Dad. to Golf Talk Live. Thank, thank you. Uh, glad to be here. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I left out the most important uh, part. Of course, James is a fellow Canadian from Barrie, Ontario. I uh, didn't know that until a little bit earlier. He was, uh, I guess, doing a little investigating and saw that I'm originally from Burlington, Ontario. Uh, actually born in Hamilton, but lived most of my life in the Burlington, Ontario area and, and a little bit in Toronto and, and so forth. But uh, we're both a, a couple of Canucks, that's for sure. So welcome. Thank you. Start with the obvious. You know, it mentioned in your in your opening bio uh, a little bit that obviously you shared uh, a level of frustration. That was part of what got you uh, to develop uh, GolfSwing.com. So talk a little bit about your experience, uh, you know, trying to learn and develop your golf game uh, some of the, the issues that you were faced with that perpetuated the development of this program? Sure. Um, you, you know, growing up in Canada, I actually did not play golf at all. I, I played hockey and uh, in the winter and baseball yeah. in the summer um, with a variety of, you know, other sports mixed in, but I never touched a golf club. And um, when I moved down to Texas and finished college and entered the business world, um, I, I realized pretty quickly that golf was going to be a pretty uh, important part of uh, growing relationships in, in that side of uh, the world. And uh, I wanted to pick up the game. And as, as soon as I went out and, and tried it with some coworkers, I, I was hooked. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I just could not, I, I just I just get a golf ball that isn't moving uh, as far and as straight as I could. So I, um, I did what probably any, you know, you know, amateur does, which, you know, you know, I, I go and take some lessons and, 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 and like anyone, it took a while to, you know, kind of find the, the, the coach or the instructor that was a good fit, not, not just in what they were teaching, but in personality and, 
and the way they would explain things. And, and I bounced around to quite a few different guys here locally in the Dallas market. And there's some great instructors here. Um, but I just couldn't right. really find anyone that, you know, was, was really fitting my game. So I turned to online instruction. Um, what was some of the frustration that, uh, based on your experiences that you typically, um, it, it, you know, experience, what was some of the feedback um, as well that you got from other people that you talked to? I mean, I'm sure you, you know, most people when they get involved in something, they, they like to maybe ask their friends or, or family that may be involved in, in a sport or, or game or whatever uh, you get involved with to, just to get their idea of what they think. So what was some of your personal experiences? What were some of the, the, the pitfalls, if you will, that you experienced when you were trying to learn the game? And what was some of the feedback that you had from others? Uh, again, that sort of gave you an idea of, well, hey, um, there needs to be a better way. You're exactly right. You know, I, I think as you're starting, especially as an adult, you're you're asking uh, people who are already doing it or playing at a, a better level on how they're practicing or improving or, or how they're taking um, lessons and from whom and, and uh, you know, what they work on. And so I, I got recommendations and referrals um, all over the, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and um, from friends that were most certainly better golfers than myself. Some played at higher levels in, in college and, and we're now, you know, beyond that. Um, but, but I, I took their advice and I would go to different, different people. And what I quickly realized was that somebody might love a coach or an instructor, but it doesn't mean that that coach or, or instructor is a good fit for everyone. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, I think everyone learns a little bit differently and, you know, they like different coaching styles and that's just not golf specific. Um, that could be, you know, a teacher at school or in college. And I, I think that um, it's still a people business to some extent and connecting with different teaching philosophies and styles and the way that people can explain things that you can actually understand. And I, you know, I always say, I don't think I was getting bad instruction because I know that, you know, some of the pros that I, I was going to see were really good and helped some of my friends or, or family get better. Um, they just weren't helping me. Um, and maybe I'm, I'm old and stubborn and, you know, can't be taught, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, it, it was frustrating. It, it was actually, it, it almost makes you not want to play the game because, um, I, I was getting frustrated because, as I said, I grew up playing sports. I, I played almost anything you can name except for golf, and I thought that it shouldn't be that hard. There just has to be a, a better way to learn and get better and practice and improve. So um, that's kind of what led us yeah, to well, uh, the, the online side of the business. Right, and, and let me just uh, very quickly recap um, and, and so that the uh, listeners have a, a better understanding. You know, in, in your bio that you sent over, um, you, you actually state this. Uh, everyone learns differently, and sometimes uh, the delivery of the information is more important than the actual lesson itself. Do you feel that this is something that sometimes is not understood in the golf industry. I mean, obviously it's, it's not just limited to the golf industry because as you said, there's teachers in other areas, but is this something that you feel that because we are so different as human beings, you learn, have a different learning style than I do. And, and uh, you know, your neighbor, is this something that you were experiencing uh, again, 
not that the instructors that you worked with weren't top-notch instructors, but maybe they just weren't understanding the learning style that, that, uh, that you needed, uh, and that's why they weren't able to help you, but they were able to help maybe some others. Is that kind of the, the sense of what you're saying? Exactly. I, you know, again, I think if, if you and I went to one instructor randomly somewhere between where you live and I live, and um, we went and had a lesson, one of us would probably learn more or get more out of it, even if it was the exact same lesson, just from the teaching style alone, nothing to do with the actual what is being taught. Um, just the way that someone can connect with you and explain it, um, you know, whether you're a technical learner, maybe you're, you know, you want to be, you're looking for more of a rah-rah style coach that is always super positive and, you know, just kind of pushing you that way. Um, you know, maybe it's just the way that they get down and explain um, the, the actual technical part of the swing, whether it be in technical points with video cameras and, and apps or just with feel and, um, and uh, you know, visuals, um, you know, them hitting a ball. Right. Um, right. But, yeah, I think everyone learns completely in, in different ways, and uh, what works for you might not work for me and uh, vice versa. Yeah, and, and I know from my own personal experience, I mean, obviously I teach golf and I'm an instructor, so I have to be mindful of that when I'm working with, with different students, especially a lot of my corporate students, uh, you know, because they want to be able to play in their corporate events and their specific things that they're looking for. And I know when I was growing up, you know, I, I was taught uh, how to play this great game. I, I started at a very early age, and my father was the one. He was a very uh, accomplished golfer. And, you know, one of the problems that I had in the very beginning was, you know, I used to say to him, I say, dad, you know, I don't understand what you're saying. I need, I need to see it because I was a visual learner. If, if he got up there and showed me what it was he was talking about, then it was not an issue uh, to repeat that. But if he was just trying to explain it with his words, I had to be able to see it in my mind. And if I couldn't see it in my mind, I couldn't comprehend what he was talking about. And, you know, and, and this is like going to your point, this is what I think the mistake that a lot of uh, teachers, but also particularly in the, in the golf industry, fall into that trap is they try to put everybody in the same box and say, okay, well, here's, we're going to do this lesson. I've got four or five people here, and I'm going to try and speak it in this particular language, but each person might technically hear it in a different language or in a different way. So some might get it and understand what the instructor's saying, while others might be confused and not really getting the message uh, resonating the way it should be. And, and that, I think that's really what you're trying to say here as well, correct? Hey, exactly. That's right on the money. Right. Okay, so let me ask you something. So in, in recent years, uh, you know, I, I've, I'm kind of old school in the sense that, uh, you know, I grew up in the, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, 54 years old, so I've been around the block for a little bit. And, you know, we didn't have all this all online technology. Before we actually get into specifically about golfswing.com, uh, let's talk about the boom of online instruction. Uh, you know, we've got our, our, our favorite local uh, golf professional out there, but we've also got, you know, a gazillion, uh, uh, some legitimate and some maybe not so legitimate online. Talk about the online experience that's currently out there, and then we're going to talk about specifically what you've developed. Well, I, you know, I think that, and, and you mentioned it a few minutes ago, but you are a visual learner. And I, I think that ultimately right. a, a majority of people fall into that category. Um, e even if I'm local and, and uh, going to see an instructor, I want to see them do it. And once I understand that, 
how they do it and the way their body moves, it's much easier for me to actually understand what they're trying to tell me and, and mimic it essentially um, to some extent um, and, and, and go from there. So, you know, I think with online learning just in general um, that it gives you a chance to actually not only hear on how to do something, but visually see it. Um, and, and it can be yeah. done in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, your, your app style type lesson, what I call, um, you know, drawing lines on the screen. And, you know, there's a lot of different, um, you know, apps out there that do that. Or if it's the way I like to learn, which is seeing someone do it and talk about it and, and, uh, and, um, and, and then actually try to, you know, kind of copy what they're doing. Um, but I think a majority right. of people like to see that visual, which is obviously why, um, you know, sites like YouTube, just in, in general, not golf specific, you know, have billions of videos and, and tens of billions of views every month. And uh, I think that um, it just goes to show now, now some of those are not how to or instructional type videos, obviously, but um, there, there's a lot of that kind of content um, there as well. Um, and, and then ultimately, I look at, I, I have two young kids, um, they're um, sure. seven and 10 years old. And they consume, oh, I, you know, even with going to school uh, full time, they still consume a majority of the information um, out there. They they consume it through online video, um, and right. and right. they love to learn that way. And I think that um, the younger generation, as you mentioned, um, you're you're a little older than I am, but you know we're we're both you know, north of 40. So, um, so I think right. that, uh, you know, the younger generation most certainly want to learn from online visuals and, and we're not going to see that side of the business slow down anytime soon. It's going to ramp up if anything. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and, and I like that fact. I think there's a lot of good information. We're going to talk about some of the pros and cons here in just a second, but uh, you're exactly right. Obviously when I was growing up, I mean, video was not, uh, you know, something that was available and you had to have the instructor, you know, explain to you verbally what they were talking about. And obviously they would demonstrate it, which was, uh, you know, adding the, the um, uh, visual component to it. Um, but we didn't have uh, the ability to play back or, or uh, repeat, uh, you know, because obviously like anything, the more times that you repeat the steps, uh, the more it becomes in, ingrained in your psyche. And, uh, so the onslaught of, of online video has helped many, many people learn different things, both in and outside the golf industry. But there's also some pros and cons. Uh, obviously, let's talk a little bit about um, – well, actually, let's start with the negative first. Let's talk about some of the cons and then some of the pros. And then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about specifically how GolfSwing.com is tackling some of the challenges that are out there. So let's talk about some of the cons. What, you know, online, uh, anything, there's obviously some, some negatives. So what are some of the negatives that you've experienced or you understand as, as somebody that uh, is involved in software development? What do you see some of the problems out there? Well, I, I think, you know, as I, as I said, um, you know, before, there was a level of frustration with going from local pro to local pro. So I absolutely turned to online instruction and, and, and there's, Two primary things I, I think that I that I found that were negatives, um, just in general. Um, number one is just like anyone, I turned to YouTube. 
Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, I went on YouTube and I, I did search after search after search and I watched video after video after video. Um, but what I found is my game actually started to get, get worse um, because right. I found that I was finding information that might not be um, valid. Um, it might not be um, good for, for my body type or my type of swing. It, it might not, um, it, it might, you know, it might be from someone that might not be a, a professional um, golf instructor. Um, it was hard to tell who was real, who wasn't real. Um, and I, I went down the road with YouTube for, for many months and I, um, I just felt my game didn't get better. There was no plan. There was no, um, I didn't know what, if what I was watching was good or not. So I think that was the, the first negative. Um, the, the second one and, and kind of where I turned was, um, more into the, um, what I call the single instructor site, um, where it's, it's one person with one methodology and, right. and, and they're probably, again, very good instructors. And, you know, most of them are all membership sites. Um, and, and that's fine. And, and I totally get it. And they, and they need to make money for their time and effort. And I completely support that. Um, but what, what I found didn't work for me was I, I would fall for that over promise of gaining extra yards or, you know, hitting right. the ball straight or eliminating the slice. Cause there was a lot of marketing that went along with that. And when I went in sure. and watched the videos, a lot of the content was, was great. But again, it might not have been great for me or I liked some of it, but maybe, maybe the guy was a great um, putting instructor, but I didn't, you know, I couldn't figure out the way he was trying to teach me how to hit pitch shots or bunker shots or full swing or drive or whatever it might be. So I felt there was mm-hmm. a disconnect from from putter to driver, mental game and fitness, and, and there just wasn't something bringing it all together. So I, I think if the, you know, we were to talk about two negatives, one is, you know, the kind of the untrustworthiness of, of YouTube, and, and don't get me wrong, not everyone on YouTube, but but there is that aspect no. of it, um, and and it's hard to validate some of the some of the lessons that you see there. And I think number two is the um, kind of that one size fits all methodology that that seems yes. to kind of draw you in with a with a big promise that is hard to deliver. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, and, and I agree 100% with you. I, I think one of the problems, and, I, and I'll, listen, somebody that's been in the golf industry for a long time and been around the game, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, eating and breathing and sleeping golf, uh, unlike yourself. Uh, I, I took up golf very, very early, and, and, uh, but I also played, you know, hockey and, and baseball and soccer and all the other great sports as well. But I had the very fortunate um, gift, if you will, um, having a father who loved the game, so he he uh, ushered me out to the driving range at a very early age and, and started teaching me how to play. But you're exactly right in your analogy, and, and this is one of the dangers. I've even seen some of the what are classified to be the best instructors in the golf business today, and I'm not going to name names. Um, and it seems like every so often they're coming up with a new methodology. One minute it's the you know, XYZ uh, method, and the next time it's something else. And 
there are certainly similarities in the methods, but there's always a little bit of a twist. And again, those false promises. And I've said this many, many times on the show. And, you know, I know all types of people, instructors, individuals, uh, even people in the, the club in, uh, golf club industry, I know have tuned into the show. Uh, so I'm not shy about saying this. Um, one of the things that bothered me from the equipment side of things is when they come out with the latest and greatest driver guaranteeing, you know, an extra 30 yards. Well, I can tell you um, without, you know, equivocation that that is BS. Um, if you don't know how to put the club face on the ball properly, you will not get 10, 20, or 30 extra yards. I can guarantee you that as an instructor and um, an expert in the game. So this is one of the things you're exactly right. You have to be careful about when you're doing the online instruction. So let's flip the script a little bit and talk about some of the pros um, that you like about online instruction. Let's look at from the opposite and then talk about specifically how golfswing.com is addressing some of the pros uh, in online instruction. So, so I think if I, I just look at, you know, my, my history of, of turning to online instruction um, and, and don't get me wrong, I think there's still a component of, you know, local um, hands-on instruction as well that, that needs to be part of your, you know, your overall plan to, to improve um, your game. But I think from the online standpoint, the, the things that really um, I liked about it, one is ultimately it was somewhat inexpensive um, compared to bouncing sure. around from um, pro to pro. Um, and, and so it, it most certainly saved some money. And, um, and, and I think that it, it most certainly saved time. Um, yes. not necessarily pra- practice time. Um, you know, and I, and I think as we talk more about golfing, I'll talk a little bit about practice as well, but, you know, obviously you still need to practice, um, or, or you're not going to get mm-hmm. better regardless of any instruction you, right. you take. Um, and so, I, I think it, it, in my mind, I felt that I could watch some instruction online in 5, 10, 15 minutes um, and, and then go spend an hour practicing versus going for an hour lesson and then an hour practicing. And you, you do that, you know, once a week or twice a month, whatever it might be, that time adds up over the course of a year. Um, and, and then I think sure. the, the, the biggest one was, kind of um, location centric, meaning, uh, you know, and, and this is a big kind of one of the big catalysts behind golf swing was how do I find the pro that teaches the exact way I want to learn and, and is, you know, really great at the things that I need to improve at. And we just connect, but he lives in Australia or he lives in Florida and I'm in Texas, whatever it might be. How do you actually find and connect with that guy um, that if it wasn't for online videos or instruction, you would never, never get the chance to, you know, know who he is, find out about him, watch some videos online um, and, and ultimately, you know, potentially form some sort of a teaching connection with him. Um, whether it just remains um, online only or, you know, um, if, uh, if you travel to actually go take physical lessons periodically to supplement the online side, um, or if it was just on, all online but with, you know, on FaceTime or any of the apps that are available where you can record your swing and work, you know, with that person that way. So 
to answer your question, I think it, you know, really sums it up with, you know, time, money, and, uh, and um, location. I, I think it kind of eliminates those three issues that, that traditionally exist in, you know, green grass lessons. Right. And, and you touched on something uh, a little bit uh, ago about, you know, looking at today's demographic of, of younger, the younger generation, um, they have learned through their upbringing much differently than our upbringing, the value of, of being able to gather information instantly. Um, you know, for instance, you know, if you wanted to learn about something, you know, you had to go and read a bunch of books and you, first you had to find the books um, with the, you know, invention of the internet and, and all of these other wonderful search engine tools, we're able to get information instantly. I mean, you can Google just about anything or Yahoo or whatever you want to talk, and you're able to get access to that information literally within seconds. And this is how the younger generation has learned different things. And when they want to get information, that's where they turn to. Um, and that's not to say that they don't read uh, online and things, but um, that's their method of, of getting information. So the idea is we want to be able to provide that information in a format that can be general enough that anybody can gain access to it, not just by finding it, but be able to learn from that information. And I think one of the problems, as you pointed out and, and we've discussed here a little bit, is that in typical online instruction, you have sort of one methodology. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring uh, individuals with different thoughts and, and approaches, if you will, uh, under sort of one umbrella. So that if I wanted to go on and, and find a, an instructor that maybe I could work with, whether it be online or even in person, I can get that information through your platform uh, as opposed to just you know going to my local pro. And, and one of the things that you, you mentioned, and then I'm going to turn it back to you and, and let you uh, respond, you're exactly right. Um, I don't care where or you turn to as far as videos or, or other uh, mediums. If you're not willing to put in the time and effort to practice what it is you're being shown, you're never going to improve. And anybody that tells you otherwise uh, is not being uh, is being disgenuous and not being honest with you. So uh, that's a great point to bring up. So you've developed golfswing.com. How did you reach out uh, and how did you how was your selection process with some of that? Because you've obviously got some great names. I'm going to th do a quick shout out and then I'm going to let you respond uh, because obviously this was how we met uh, through a good friend. He's been on my show many, many times, both on the Coach's Corner panel and as a, a featured guest. But John Decker, of course, uh, is on your platform and uh, is servicing uh, the great people literally all over the world with many great videos uh, of instruction. So um, how did you go about selecting uh, some of the individuals and, and, and building the, the database? Well, um, I, I think that, uh, you, you know, you, you kind of nailed it there for me, but, you know, with the, the entire premise behind golfswing.com and what I want, what I found was missing was the, a site that had, virtually something for everyone and and i know there's some other you know sites that have more than just one instructor um but sure they typically kind of cater to tour pros um or or higher skilled player and i know they try to teach amateurs but 
I, I wanted to have a site that was primarily focused on pros that, that work with amateurs every day. They are on, on the range. They are working with the 20 handicap, the 10 handicap guy or girl, and they're trying to work with their, you know, their putting, their shorting, whatever it might be, but they're, they're hands-on working with these individuals. So, um, you, you brought up the name John Decker, and, and he's a perfect example of this. Um, John is, um, yep. you know, up in the Ohio area, and um, and and John is a guy that you've never heard of. I mean, um, if, if you're just a regular golfer outside of Columbus, Ohio, you probably, or outside of Orlando, Florida, where he spent many years, you probably haven't heard of John. Um, but John grew up learning how to teach people from guys like Phil Rogers and Fred Griffin, top 100 guys. And, you know, and, um, and, and some pretty, you know, two bigger name guys, especially Phil Rogers. And um, he, he learned how to teach the game. So when, when I found John um, and, and saw a video from him, I was like, man, this guy is really good but no one knows who he is and no one is going to get a chance to see his instruction um, because again, he was just a, you know, local teaching pro in, in, in Columbus, Ohio at a private club, um, which, you know, also limits his, his teaching primarily to members. Um, and right. so it was a pretty small pool of, of, you know, guys like me that were going to even get a chance to have John, try to fix their game and I thought that was a shame because he he had the ability I could I could tell just by watching one or two videos um, that he had that ability to connect with people and teach on a level that I know connected with me personally so you know again it might not work for everyone but I thought man he has something that that would work for a lot of people and, and it would be a shame not to to share it globally yeah and well said you know, the thing, and, and I couldn't agree wholeheartedly, as I said, John has been on my show many, many times. He's a, a regular uh, guest panelist on Coach's Corner and, and has some great insight into the game. But one of the things that makes John such uh, a great instructor is really something that you wouldn't think uh, is, is important uh, or is the most important. And it's not his knowledge or his ability as a golf instructor, but it's his ability to develop, to develop relationships with people. Um, and you have to be able to be relatable uh, to your audience, if you will, whether you're doing it online or in person, uh, whether it's one-on-one or, you know, 10 to one odd, um, you have to be able to develop those relationships and build a level of trust. It's the same thing as, you know, in sales. Um, you know, there's those that work out in sales that sort of do the quick deals and you never hear of them again. And then there's those that sort of nurture and build and develop those relationships. And they're not just looking for the one-time sale. They're looking for a relationship where they will be continued, um, building and growing in that relationship and, and obviously repeatable business and referrals and so forth. So what John does really, really well uh, and I know that he has the great vast knowledge uh, of the golf industry, so I, I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying. Um, but what's more important is he has a, a given talent to be able to communicate well with people and to help them understand 
the message that he's trying to deliver a little bit easier. And that's a key thing, and that's something that you want to have, especially when you're not face-to-face with somebody. Because sometimes you lose that little bit of personal interaction uh, when you're watching a video. And if somebody's just standing there saying, well, hit the ball this way or do that, uh, it, you know, you don't feel like you're right there. One of the great things about John's videos is you actually feel like you're standing right there on the lesson tee with him when he's doing his instruction because he makes you feel – he sort of draws you in. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, and, and and you're right. It it's really hard, um, you know, to connect with people in, in a personal way when you are on the other side of the camera lens. And and I I think that John um, most certainly does a good job. And, and we try to strive in, in general on golf swing to find teachers that that can do that. And it's not easy. And we've no. had to. We've had to walk away from some great opportunities um, because we didn't feel that uh, that that person was a a great fit for for being able to do that long term. Um, and and yeah. sometimes you know you can get caught trying to chase a, a you know a bigger name in, instructor, but if you don't feel they can connect with an audience, then it doesn't really help our our, our members um, get better at golf. So. Um, you know, John does a great job, and um, and and it's not it's not easy. <laughs> so, um, no, I'll, I'll give him no. kudos for for the hard work he does to, uh, and and he 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 works on it. He gets better and better. You know, every time he starts filming videos, um, and um, sure. So yeah, and there, there's certainly a level of comfort that you know when you watch the videos that he does, and and, and I'm not just uh, you know I, I, I I'm not just trying to single him out. I'm doing it obviously because I know him personally. Um, I know there's a lot of other great, I've seen many of the other uh, individuals that you have on there. I know you've got some other great names as well, um, but you're exactly right. Um, you know, here's somebody that is maybe not commonly known. He's not a David Ledbetter or a Butch Harmon uh, that most people would, would recognize because of their uh, status uh, with working with uh, high caliber PGA Tour members. Um, but now you or I or somebody else that wants to be able to connect with these individuals has an opportunity to do that. So uh, through golfswing.com. So let's talk about how the platform works. Obviously, you know, you've got videos on there and, and uh, video collections of, of various different instructors now, but how does the actual golfswing.com um, uh, system work? Do I have to become a member? Is there fees involved? And let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we we are a uh, a membership site like virtually any of the other golf sites out there, um, and we um, we allow you to watch unlimited videos on virtually any device uh, for for a small fee um, each month, and um, people can come on and sign up. We we believe. It, I'll mention a couple of things. One is we're still fairly new in this, in this online world um, when it comes to golf instruction. And you, you have sure. to kind of understand that we're not golf instructors. Um, I, I'm a regular golfer, you know, carry, um, I haven't checked in, in, in a month or two, but I carry roughly uh, between a six and eight handicap, um, which by the way is dropped pretty significantly since I started um, golfswing.com. So um, I, I'll correlate those two, two things. Um, but the, <laughs> we, um, we're a membership site and people can come on and, um, and sign up and, and then watch the unlimited videos. The, the biggest difference between 
I, I think us and, and other sites out there is we, we are not golf professionals. So we're software guys. So we're constantly building better and better software that our members get to use. It can be um, just faster load time of videos, something as boring as that, but ultimately better categorization of videos and allowing you to come on and say, on this skill level, I'm looking for this type of instruction. I'm man or woman. I'm um, left-handed, whatever it might be, and I only want to see videos that feature um, a wedge. Um, and and being able to filter down and really kind of like narrow down your search um, sure. is is kind of more on the software side. And and we really pride ourselves on kind of bringing some of the technology to you know the 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 golf instruction platforms that, that exist out there. But um, we also decided to do something a little bit different um, when we first started developing this. And, and this kind of ties in with people learning in different ways. So we see a lot of videos out there, especially on YouTube, that are very what I refer to as kind of tip-oriented or drill-oriented, meaning they're a three-minute to five-minute video about how to hit a spinning bunker shot. And and, right. and that might be good for, you know, a lot of people. And, and we have a lot of those types of videos on the site, um, hundreds and hundreds of those types of videos from, you know, covering almost anything you would ever want to learn. But I also, me personally, I like to learn more in a sequential way, meaning I want to not only understand how to hit that one bunker shot, but I want to understand what the important things I need to do with grip and stance and everything that comes before that. And, and then how do I right. take it to the course and how do I take it to the practice range? Um, one of the things that was really frustrating me with, with just, online golf instruction um, in, in general was I would go through and I'll use bunkers as the example, but I would go through and watch um, some of the best short game instructors in the world and watch their videos online on how to play these um, great bunker shots and how to execute it and everything like that. And I'd go practice and practice and practice. And man, when I was practicing, I, I was pretty good. And I'd go to the course and I wouldn't have that perfect lie in the bunker. It might be on a side hill lie. Right. It might be plugged a little bit. <laughs> and I, all of a sudden, you, you start thinking about it. And, and I think we know that when you start thinking about it on the golf course, you know, you, you, you aren't as relaxed. You get tensed up. You, you don't execute the shot as, as well as, you know, you had when you were practicing. And so I think one of the, one of the things that we try to bring to golf swing is – teaching people not just on a drill or a tip on how to improve a small thing, but teaching them actually how to become really good at something. So we have something we call signature series on the site where you can go and some of them are 20 videos long. And some of them are, um, I think we have a few that are almost a hundred, if not more than a hundred videos long. Um, and, it's not meant to go and watch it all in, in one day and then go to the range, but it's meant to sure. watch it over time. But learning in a in an A to Z type format that you can go and, you know, take off small chunks and, and then go practice it and then come back and, you know, kind of keep advancing through the series. But ultimately, when you're done, be able to truly understand how to play 
in, you know, a, a type of shot or, you know, whether it be, you know, off the first tee or on the green or, or around the greens, um, but kind of understanding it a little deeper and also um, just more in depth in terms of, you know, the broadness of what it covers. Well, and, and, and you raised some very interesting points. And I, and I want to just go back very quickly, and then I'm going to talk about some of the things that you just said, uh, just to, to put things a little bit different context. Um, you know, you, you talked about, you know, in developing this, that, that you guys are not golf instructors. And actually, that really gives you somewhat of an advantage. Because one of the problems with a lot of the online instruction is they're being put together, uh, and again, I'm not criticizing them. I mean, there are a lot of great stuff out there, but they're being put together by uh, instructors or people within the golf industry. And the problem with that is, uh, again, you fall into that trap of methodology. If somebody has a specific way of, of addressing certain things, then their site or their information is going to be slanted towards that. But you're kind of approaching it from a different, you're not a golf instructor, you're not a golf professional you're somebody that wants to learn about the game and you're wanting to share information. So you have a very unique perspective on how uh, to address this situation as opposed to somebody that's trying to necessarily push an agenda uh, or push an idea. So that gives you somewhat of an advantage over a lot of your competition. Um, And I like the fact that you give a variety. Um, If somebody just wants a a how to, uh, you know, execute, uh, you know, bunker shot a or bunker shot B that's there for them as well. If somebody wants to really start from A to Z and learn about the game, uh, that's also available. And, and going back to what we talked about a little while ago, one of the key components is you want to and need to be able to go out and practice uh, this information and that, that you're learning online. And, you know, again, you're not, as you pointed out, you're not always going to get a perfect lie. Uh, in an earlier segment tonight on the Coach's Corner panel, we talked about playing lessons. And I want to mention that for a specific reason because it falls in line with what you just talked about. W- one of the problems that most amateur golfers have is they get out on the practice tee. They've got a perfect lie, you know, uh, if they're hitting their irons or, or you know, uh, maybe a hybrid or something. Or they're teed the ball up for their driver. Um, now, obviously, for the driver, it, that's consistent uh, both on uh, and off the golf course. But for some of these other shots, they're not always getting a perfectly flat lie. Or in a bunker, they might be slightly plugged or uphill or downhill. So when you see a lot of these videos, you're exactly right in your analogy, is you're not going to necessarily have that perfect or same lie. So you need to be able to understand how to adapt and take that on the course. And I think this is where what we talked about earlier on the program tonight uh, before you came on was in a playing lesson for today's instructor, they have to be able to show uh, the individual golfer, not just how to execute the shots, but how to put it into um, its proper context out on the golf course. Because it's one thing to hit it out in the driving range, but if you can't take and learn how to score with it uh, out in the, on the uh, real course situations, you're never going to improve. So I, I think if I understand you correctly, this is what you're trying to accomplish with GolfSwing.com is to give people options, not just in different sh- types of shots to hit, but different ways of learning and, and gaining that information, correct? Yeah, 100% correct. And, and I think that, you know, we, when we receive videos from our um, teaching pros, we, we look for, you know, a, a few different things. One 
is this a, a drill or a tip that can help someone, you know, discover how to fix a shot that they've had trouble hitting? Great. That, you know, that's one thing. Is this a, is this a type of, um, you know, a shot or a methodology that, that requires multiple videos that, that are sequential and, and someone can learn a concept uh, over time? And, and number three, does it include ways to actually take the concept or the drill or tip and then go and practice it? Um, you know, whether you practice for an hour on one, one type of shot or, or weeks and weeks on a concept. Um, and, and then finally, how do you then relate it to on the course action? Because I became a really good range player for, for a while there. And I realized that I, I didn't have <laughs> the, the um, ability to take it to the course because I was practicing in a right. very, um, you know, just in a, in a perfect scenario every time. And there's no risk involved if you miss your target on the range by, you know, 10 yards um, or 15 yards. Right. No, it doesn't matter. You drop another ball and you do it again. Um, where when you're playing, you know, that 10 yards could be the difference of a penalty stroke or an impossible lie off the green, whatever it might be. And, um, and, and it could be the difference between a par and, and a double bogey. So, um, you know, how do you take those, those lessons and those, those tips and take them to the course and understand it? So those are the primary things we look for when we're receiving video content. Um, ultimately, will it help you get lower scores when you play? Yeah, and, and that's what people – the bottom line is that's been some of the criticism with the industry over the last uh, decade or so, uh, and not just – uh, at fault of the golf instructor, but also the industry in general. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, one of the uh, concerns that I've always had, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I love seeing all the, the latest. And, I mean, I've been down to the PGA Merchandising Show in January um, for a number of years, and I've seen uh, you know, some of the advancements, and a lot of that stuff is, is, let's be honest, it's pretty cool. But at the same time, there's a lot of very heavy marketing uh, and promoting going on behind this in order to draw in the consumer. And sometimes it's a little bit unfair because, uh, again, the, the testing that's going on in many cases are done at the tour level uh, by, by people that, you know, have a, um, you know, an, a strong ability to be able to connect the club face to the ball and be able to execute a lot of the shots needed. So when they're saying these 20 or 30 extra yards, they're really talking about the advanced players. Um, most amateurs are not going to experience those types of gains if they don't know how to swing the club properly or if they don't know how to uh, address the ball properly or so on and so forth. So there's a lot of misleading information. And the same thing has happened even in the online instruction. So I, I like the fact that you have somewhat of a screening process as well, that it's not just like you're you know, building a video collection, if you will, of online videos and saying, here we are, and you, know, you can have access to 1,000 videos you're actually taking the time to saying, is this going to be beneficial uh, to my membership? Because, uh, again, you know, you're not throwing up a, a free uh, online video uh, platform. This is something that people are paying for, and they want to make sure that they're, especially in today's uh, market, that they're getting value for the money that they're spending, that they're seeing uh, not just a bunch of hokey videos put up there. They want to know that there's actually uh, some, some good product being put in there, and I think that's what you're, you're trying to do here. Yeah, and, and believe it or not, we, um, just to your point, we reject videos 
Um, sure. We we probably reject videos every week um, that because we have a human being watch every video and determine if it's a good fit for our audience and try really hard. It's a, it's it's not easy to do, but we try really hard not to overpromise results, especially if someone's not willing to put in the time and effort to practice it. Um, and, and so we receive videos sometimes, and, and, and sometimes it's not on purpose, but someone will say during the video, if you just do this, you will gain 20 extra yards or something. And they're, they're speaking right. in a language that we, we don't necessarily agree with because they didn't put it in context and who would gain 20 yards and how they would do it and how often right. they have to practice. And, and so we, we reject videos a lot based on that, because again, I think that this industry has, has become a little bit overrun, especially online with false promises. And, you know, I, I'm the first, I'm the first guy to raise my hand and say, I, man, I signed up for a lot of sites a, a few years ago and I, <laughs> I tried a lot of different things and I, I spent a lot of money, um, you know, trying to buy a great golf game. And, you know, I, I fell for all those marketing tactics, even though I knew they weren't true. And I knew that I, I right. wasn't going to achieve those results, but, but man, I, 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 just with the off chance that this one new site was going to help me gain those 20 yards, I, I just couldn't right. say no. And, and I think that, that we see that a lot. We talk to a lot of our, um, our members and they're, they're relieved in a way that, that we're just providing good, solid instruction versus the, the promise of, you know, them shooting a 68 next, you know, next month or whatever it might be, um, you know, and, and so it's, um, it, it is a relief when people do find their, you know, their, their home at, at golf swing, because it's, again, we tried very hard not to go down that road um, because I know the frustration that, that, that can cause because, um, because I, I felt it. Yeah. And, 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 and just, quickly to sort of sum that up a little bit you know being in the golf industry myself one of the things that I try to guard against is is doing just that is is to make false promises you know I can guarantee you that I will give you uh, accurate information and I will provide you with the tools necessary to be successful out in the golf course but you have to do your part it's like any job I can give you the information you can go and study all you want for uh, and pass the test at 100%, but when you actually have to put it in uh, and take that written information or that visual information and, and put it into practical experience, that's what happens out in the golf course is you gain experience through trial and error and through having knowledge uh, in anything that you do. And you're exactly right. One of the problems that I've seen as well over the years, both in person and, and online, is too many false promises. And without really clarifying to people that, yeah, you might be able to get 10 or 20 extra yards or you might be successful in this particular area uh, out in the golf course, but you have to do your part as the student. And they seem to always manage to leave that part out uh, or gloss over <laughs> it very quickly. And for somebody that's new to the game, uh, you know, that, boy, that's an important factor to, to, to be missing out. Um, you know, I've just got this shiny new driver I spent $400 with and I've, you know, taken it out of the box 
and uh, you know I'm actually hitting it worse than than I did my old driver, and I don't understand. This is supposed to give me you know 30 extra yards. So uh, you know there, there's a buyer beware out there. So I, I want to wrap this up because we've literally only got a few minutes left, and and then we've got to uh, we've got to cut it. But um, where do you see what what's your future plans with GolfSwing.com? Obviously, you want to continue to grow and expand, but is there um, something down the road that you're heading towards that you want to see? Um, that's not happening right now. What's your future vision? Well, I, I think that ultimately, um, be, because we are um, software developers uh, and and not golf pros, we we have a a pretty um, a pretty clear long term vision of what we want to build. And I, I think the first thing that you'll you'll see on golfswing.com over the next let's call it six to twelve months the addition of more and more pros from different parts of the country um, and different parts of the world, um, bringing video content to the platform that's 100% um, curated, viewed by humans, making sure it fits what our audience wants. Um, and, and so you're going to see a lot more content come, come on board um, from a lot more um, instructors. I think um, the second part of that is, you're going to see a lot more um, personalization on the site. Um, you know, we've worked really hard to give the the audience, the members today, the ability to really narrow down their search criteria based on very specific things that may only, you know, um, be something that they're looking for um, as they can filter down and really look. But I think what you're going to see from us in the next, you know, year is the ability, um, almost Netflix style, it, you know, if you if you log on to mm-hmm. Netflix and you see pre-sorted lists that are just based on on your behavior, so um, you know, yep. and and things that you might want to watch. The next logical video to watch in a series, if you if you like John Decker, then you'll like this guy. Um, right. If you know if you're if you're left-handed, then you got to check out you know this instruction. Um, well, whatever it might be. So I think you're going to see that. And then long-term beyond that, I think our, our goal and, and what we have been working on behind the scenes, but it's, it's most certainly a long-term project is building more and more ways to connect with that pro. Um, Perfect. From anywhere in the world. So um, I know we need to wrap it up, but that's, uh, that's where we're headed. It's an exciting time. And I think we are, uh, most certainly leading the charge for, um, you know, bringing online instruction to the masses. Well, uh, uh, James, I want to thank you for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a very interesting, I know John, uh, you know, has has really uh, talked up a storm about golfswing.com and he's very, very uh, supportive of what you're doing. And uh, as I said, you know, John's been on the show many times and I, I certainly value his uh, you know, opinions and, and his comments, uh, not only on the show, but even off the show. And I think that what you're doing is, is really creating a service to the industry by giving people a way of learning and understanding and developing their own game without a, a lot of the, the buzz and, and a lot of the bells and whistles of trying to rope people into something uh, without giving them um, sort of the truth, if you will. And I like the fact that you're, you're very conscious of that um, and you're using your own experiences 
to be able to develop that. So I, I'm, I'm quite certain you're going to be around for a very, very long time. And um, I, I really like what, it, what you're doing. And I like the, the approach that you're not trying to just sort of throw a bunch of video out there um, and, and, and treat it as though it's just another platform. You're actually taking the time and the steps necessary to make sure that it's being done right. And uh, I like the fact that you're looking long-term of allowing people to interact uh, a little bit more with some of the people that are um, working behind the scenes. So I think that's great. Um, James, thank you for joining me on Golf Talk Live. It's been an interesting discussion. I've enjoyed it very much. Uh, thank you very much. It's always uh, nice to uh, talk with a, a fellow Canadian. So thank you so yeah, much and, for and I, having I, me very, on. <laughs> yeah, very, very quickly on that note, because I did, I did sort of lead into that a little bit in the beginning. Um, obviously, both being from uh, uh, Canada, of course, we uh, we say a few words a little bit differently than some of our American yeah. counterparts. <laughs> Um, but one one thing that we do have up in Canada that uh, I guarantee cannot be beat uh, anywhere around the world, and that, of course, is Tim Hortons. So for those of you that have never experienced Tim Hortons, uh, head up to Canada. You'll find them. In fact, they have them here in the States now in the northern parts of the States. I'm waiting for them to come down here to Florida. But uh, that's uh, one thing I don't know whether you partake, but uh, that was uh, something that I grew up on uh, was Tim Hortons. Uh, you had to have your Tim Hortons, yeah. Tim Bits, and, and a coffee in the morning. Uh, to get the day started. So um, my Canadian friend, thank you very much for joining me tonight on, on Golf Talk Live again, and much continued success. And, and keep me posted on, on how things are going. I, I want to definitely uh, uh, keep things, uh, be kept in the loop, if you will, about golfswing.com. I think it's a great, uh, a great platform. Thank you very much. All right, you have a great evening. Same to you. All right, that was my very special guest, James Kovacs, the founder and CEO of golfswing.com the world's largest online golf instruction platform. And uh, if you want to learn more about that and, and uh, become a member, just go to golfswing.com and they'll walk you through the steps of, of doing that. And it's definitely, I've, I've visited their site many times and uh, it is a, a very well put together um, uh, platform. Uh, so definitely check it out. Um, again, I want to thank uh, my very special guests on the Coach's Corner panel as well, Jamie Leno-Zimron and Chuck Evans for doing a great job uh, earlier this evening on the Coach's Corner panel. And uh, um, also, I want to thank uh, James again for joining me this evening as my very special guest. Thanks to all the supporters and sponsors of the show. But most importantly, I want to take this opportunity to thank all of the listeners worldwide for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live uh, each and every week. Uh, I do get a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment of having a number of highly talented coaches and teach professionals like my uh, panelists and also authors and entrepreneurs uh, like uh, James uh, stop by, and it's really through their participation and guest appearances that help to make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. So thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and I will see you next week with another great round of Coach's Corner and another insightful interview next week here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.